1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation.
0: Real love is calling, up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for
2: with every sunrise. He will persecute those who accept Jesus during the tribulation. I mean, this is a guy who's already blaspheming the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's blaspheming Jesus. So what do you think he's going to do? Leave Christians alone? No, he's going to persecute them. He's going to go after them. And in verse 8, it tells us that everyone worships him, worships the Antichrist, except those who become believers during the tribulation. They refuse, and for that they will be martyred. So that's the whole picture of the Antichrist.
1: In today's message, Pastor Gary is going to tell us all about the Antichrist, what he will do in the world, and how he will operate. We're going to see that he will be persecuting those who come to faith in Jesus after the rapture. The description of this person is pretty horrendous, and all of this tells me just one thing. If you're listening today and don't know Jesus yet, today is your day. Stick around, listen to what's coming, and then run to the rescuer. Jesus is waiting for you with arms wide open. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 13 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: The Bible speaks about a time that is coming, when the globe will be divided into ten geographical territories, and that each of those ten territories will have a king. And, you know, you can begin to see a little bit of this when you look at the European Union, and, you know, there's the addition and then the disintegration with Brexit and a little bit of all that stuff going on, but you can begin to see how on the basis of perhaps economic necessity, perhaps... I mean just just look right now at what is happening and how our liberties have been tested, should I say, just because of COVID and how people have decided to resort to different protocols just because government has said, you know, we need to do this and we need to do that. Okay? And so you can begin to see that perhaps out of economic necessity, health necessity, there will be things that will drive nations to form confederations. And the Bible just, you know, how is it going to happen? It doesn't spell it out for us, but it just says that there's going to come a time when there will be a ten-nation confederation, ten geographical territories where all of the nations will be divided into these ten territories. And in Revelation 17, it says that there's a king of each of these territories. And it tells us, Revelation 17, 13, and they, the ten will give their power and authority to the beast. They hand over world domination to this one leader. So this one individual is going to be a very, very charismatic, very charming political world leader who will be entrusted with the domination of the world. This is the Antichrist. Now, real quickly, I want to go back to the book of Revelation now, chapter 13, and I want to summarize pretty briefly here These five things about the Antichrist that we see here in Revelation 13, the first 10 verses, the wickedness, the wounding of, the words of, the warfare of, and the worship of the Antichrist. You see you see these five things in the first 10 verses of chapter 13, and I'm just going to run through them pretty quickly here. So the first one is the wickedness. The wickedness of the Antichrist is seen in verse 2. It tells us that the power, throne, and authority all come from the dragon, that is Satan. So Satan is behind the Antichrist. So that's clear. He's wicked because he is a tool of Satan. And then the wounding of. Now this is interesting. In verse 3 here, back in Revelation 13, in verse 3, it says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So, What exactly does this mean? Well, back up earlier in this chapter, it talked about how the beast is described as having seven heads, which doesn't mean that he was a monster. What it means is he had authority, and the seven being a number that indicates world power. And it tells us that one of the seven heads receives this wound. So there's a lot of debate about what this actually means here, But when you look at this passage, and if you have a pen or pencil, in the margin of your Bible, you might want to write Zechariah 11, verses 15 to 17. Or for you note-takers, just write down Zechariah 11, 15 to 17. And you you can turn there also if you want, or just listen, I'm going to read it. It's one of the tiny books of the Old Testament. And Zechariah 11, when you compare Zechariah 11 with, with Revelation 13, here's best scenario of what may in fact happen to the Antichrist. There will be an assassination attempt on his life. And in fact, it'll be successful to a point because he will be raised from the dead. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but you'll see when we get to the false prophet, the role of the false prophet is to bring life to the Antichrist. So there seems to be a wounding that the Antichrist receives, some kind of an assassination attempt, from which he recovers or is healed miraculously, not God's miraculous power, but counterfeit miracles. You know there is such a thing, right? And when you look at what happens there in Revelation 13 with Zechariah 11, so I'm going to read now Zechariah 11, verses 15 to 17, and this is what it says. Zechariah 11, verse 15. And the Lord said to me, Next, take for yourself the implements of a foolish Shepherd, the word foolish literally translates wicked. This is a reference to the Antichrist. For indeed, I will raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for those who are cut off, nor seek the young, nor heal those that are broken, nor feed those that still stand. But he will eat the flesh of the fat and tear their hooves in pieces. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. Listen to this. A sword shall be against his arm and against his right eye. His arm shall completely wither, and his right eye shall be totally blinded. Now when you put that together with Revelation 13, here's the picture that it paints. Is that there's probably some kind of assassination attempt against the Antichrist. It wounds him, and when he recovers, he still bears the injuries of his attempted assassination. So when it speaks there in Zechariah 11 about his arm shall completely w- wither, his, his right eye shall be totally blinded, it could be that he sustains an injury. Let's say it's a gunshot wound. You know, Zechariah uses the term sword. I mean, they didn't have guns back in the day, so is it a literal sword? Is it a gunshot wound? And we know that injury to the right side of the brain causes left side paralysis. So it speaks there of his right eye being totally blinded. And then it talks about his arm shall wither. So that speaks of perhaps atrophy that sets in from an arm that becomes not functioning after a brain injury, a traumatic brain injury. So, you know, we're trying to piece all this together, trying to make sense of it. But one of the things we know is... When you go back to Revelation 13, regardless of whether or not this is an actual assassination attempt, the injury that he sustains is so severe that when he's healed from it, when he suddenly recovers to to some degree, it will be enough that people will worship him. It'll be so fantastic that people will be like, wow, he's a god. And they will actually start to worship him. And that's what it says in the rest of verse three. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Verse four. So they worship the dragon. They realize that the power of the Antichrist is from Satan. They start worshiping Satan and they worship. This is verse four still. And they worship the beast saying who was like the beast who was able to make war with him. This guy recovers from a mortal injury. And, and so this guy's godlike. And people will actually start to worship him. And we're going to see in a moment that the false prophet starts to point people's attention, fanning the flame of this kind of idolatrous, evil worship of the Antichrist. And then also, just going down my list here, the words of the Antichrist. He speaks proud words, blasphemies against God. We've already talked about that. The warfare of the Antichrist is in verse 7 where it tells us that he was given power to make war against the saints. Now, the saints are referenced reference to Christians. So believers who get saved, remember, there's a whole you know, slew of Christians who are taken from the earth at the beginning of the tribulation. That's, that's the pre-trib when Christ comes in the clouds, takes the But then there will be other people who will be able to get saved during the tribulation period. Those Christians who get saved during the tribulation are also known as, you know, the Bible uses the word saints. You know, we don't, you know, we don't venerate people, um, but we, we recognize that the word saints applies to Christians, to believers. And that the Antichrist will use his power specifically to target Christians. And he will persecute those who accept Jesus during the tribulation. I mean, this is a guy who's already blaspheming the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's blaspheming Jesus. So what do you think he's going to do? Leave Christians alone? No, he's going to persecute them. He's going to go after them. And in verse 8, it tells us that everyone worships him, worships the Antichrist, except those who become believers during the tribulation. They refuse, and for that they will be martyred. So that's the whole picture of the Antichrist. Now, in the last like six minutes we have left, let's take a look. Actually, this doesn't take as long, but let's take a look here at verse eleven. I'll read down through the end of the chapter, and then we'll quickly talk about the false prophet. And so then he says, "I saw another beast." This the Greek word is "alos" for another, meaning another of the same kind. So he's he's cut out of the same material. Another beast coming out up out of the earth. Now this is interesting. This is not the sea. By the way, when you, when you read references to a body of water in the book of Revelation, it, it almost never refers to a body, a body of water. When the Antichrist emerges from the sea, it really is a picture of emerging from the sea of humanity. Antichrist comes and emerges from among the people. The false prophet emerges coming up out of the earth. It's a picture of he's bringing about a very worldly system. It's a very worldly religious system that he's going to be about here. He comes up out of the earth and he had two horns and two is the number for testimony. He says he's like a lamb. He's not a lamb, though, and spoke like a dragon. So like a lamb, you know, a lamb is the word that Jesus uses, capital L, more than any other title for himself in the book of Revelation. So the idea of a lamb is it's a religious connotation because lambs were used for the slaughter. So he comes like a lamb, meaning he has religious testimony, but he spoke like a dragon. So he speaks with deception because, again, Satan is behind him. So he's very duplicitous, comes across very religious, very high and holy, but he speaks like a dragon. I mean, Satan is just manipulating him and he's speaking through him. And, verse 12, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes, or literally makes, forces the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, you see. So the false prophet is drawing everybody's attention. Worship the Antichrist. Worship the Antichrist. Whose deadly wound was healed. So notice, it was a fatal wound. But he comes alive again. And the false prophet no doubt had something to do with raising the Antichrist from the dead. Because the next verse, verse 13, says, He, that is the false prophet, performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth inside of men. Who does that remind you of? Who also in the Old Testament had power to produce fire from heaven? Elijah the prophet. So he mimics Elijah the prophet. This is all part of deception here. And verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. What a great religious guy that is, right? And he causes all, in other words, he he forced everyone, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Again, a lot of people who don't know the Bible, they will at least be able to tell you that the number 666, that's the Antichrist. All right, three quick things about the false prophet here. His purpose, his power, and... His plan. Again, he emerges as a religious world leader to lead what will end up being a one-world religion. So you have one-world government led by an antichrist, you have one-world religion, a false religion, led by this false prophet. His purpose is to draw attention away from God and onto the antichrist. That's his purpose. And He causes, there in verse 12, we read it, he causes, he forces, he makes the earth and those who dwell in it worship the Antichrist whose deadly wound was healed. So see, the false prophet has a role in the healing of the Antichrist from this mortal wound. And so together, these guys are both seen as like superstars. I mean, they are just, they're worshipped as godlike creatures here. His power. The second thing is his power. He had miraculous power. You know, there are counterfeit signs and wonders. That's why it is important, even today, don't embrace everything that looks miraculous because every powerful manifestation is not necessarily a manifestation from God. That's why we have to test the spirits. We have to test the manifestations. And and people sometimes have asked me, "Don't don't you want to embrace this manifestation or that manifestation or this thing or that thing? And, you know, the only guidebook we have by which to test all supernatural signs and wonders is the Bible. If it is not in the Bible, run from it. I mean, you know, people who listen, we all have a fascination with the supernatural. I get it. We all do. You know, something spectacular, something miraculous, something supernatural. But don't let your fascination with the supernatural cause you to believe everything that is supernatural as if it's from the Lord, because it's not everything is. Obviously a lot is, but obviously a lot isn't. That's why we have to be very discerning as Christians. This false prophet is going to exercise power that has been given to him by Satan... And he has power to bring down fire from heaven. Oh, this looks like Elijah. He has power to raise the Antichrist from the dead or at least bring healing to his body from whatever this injury is. And people are going to be enthralled by him, fascinated by him, want to worship him, and the false prophet keeps directing the worship to the Antichrist and away from God. This is going to be the way that the world goes underneath their leadership. And it's interesting also because verse 15 says that the false prophet orders an image of the Antichrist to be set up in the temple of God, and then the false prophet has the power to give life to this image. Now, there's debate about this. Is this actually the image, the actual personage of the Antichrist who goes into the temple of God and proclaims himself to be worshipped? This is what Paul writes in First Thessalonians. Or is it that It's not actually the Antichrist himself, but it is an exact replica, an image of him, a statue of some kind, and the false prophet gives life, the Bible says there, gives life to this image. But now, interesting, there's different words in the Greek for life. It is not bios. That's biology. It is pneuma. That's the Greek word that is used here. The life that is given to this image is pneuma. There's this spiritual supernatural thing that is given to this image. So we don't know exactly if it is the Antichrist himself or it is an image, a statue of the Antichrist. Either way, they defame the temple of God by setting up this image of the Antichrist or the Antichrist himself in the temple of God. Now, a couple of things quickly. Number one, it tells us that the temple will be rebuilt because presently there hasn't been a temple on the Temple Mount since 70 AD, not a Jewish temple. And so the temple will be rebuilt in Daniel chapters... 9 and 12, Daniel talks about the Antichrist enters into a covenant of peace with the Jewish people. The temple will get rebuilt, and the Antichrist will occupy it either in person or by his statue. And this is what Jesus said was the abomination that causes desolation. And in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said this, Verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place... Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is in the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world. Until this time, no, nor ever shall be. So Jesus refers to this event. When when the Antichrist occupies the temple and he declares himself to be God. And then thirdly on the list here, the plan of the false prophet is that he forces everyone to receive the mark of the beast without which you cannot buy or sell. Now, this has brought great speculation over the years. The number is 666. What he tells us here is that it will be required, if you want to buy or sell, if you want to buy food, you're going to have to take the number during the tribulation period. Christians won't take the number. So they will either die because they can't buy or sell, and they'll eventually starve and run out of supplies, or they will not take the number and they won't worship the beast and they'll be martyred for their faith. So it won't go well in those days for Christians, but the good news is they're going to heaven, all right? That's all our good news, eventually. No matter what happens on earth, you know Christ, you're going to heaven. But the number 666 here, The number six in the Bible is the number for man. Mankind was created on the sixth day. It could simply be that this is a triplicate to indicate, you know, mankind, six, six, six. It could also simply refer to the dragon, Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet. Whatever it is, it is a number that people have Tried to figure out over the years, it's just not worth figuring. I mean, I remember when when the little um, chip came out on our on our uh, credit cards and had that little, um, that, what, what are those things called? That little, uh, yeah, hologram thing. Yeah, and people were like, it's the Mark of the Beast. I can't use my credit card. It's not the Mark of the Beast. And then when barcodes came out on everything, barcodes, barcodes, Mark, Mark of the Beast, Mark of the Beast. I mean, I've heard everything. Ronald Wilson Reagan. Did you hear that one too? His name had six letters. Ronald Wilson Reagan. Six letters, six letters, six letters. He's the Antichrist. I heard this, I heard this week too. Now listen, I'm just being the messenger. Not that, don't, don't shoot them. I just, but if you take the, the year 2020, the election year, and you divide it by the number that Biden used as his campaign text number, It's .0666. I'm just telling you what people have. Look, I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying there's all this kind of weird stuff where people are like, it could be this, it could be this, it could be that. I don't know. Here's, here's the good news. I don't plan to be here. I don't plan to be here. I plan to be gone. Because... When Christ takes the church, we won't be here for all of this. So if you want to sit around and try to figure out what 666 is, you, you, you're you wasting your time because for believers, our hope is that we won't be here. And I'll close on that note because I'll read from First Thessalonians 5, 4 to 9 is what it says. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen for that? Amen and amen. Oh, notion Jump in and you'll find the corner
1: your new life. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Revelation again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary through his Bible teachings, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or you can download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. It's a great way to have a quiet time, anytime. You'll find a link on our website, along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area we'd love to meet you, come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd be honored to do that for you. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners. So send us a quick email and we'll get back to you soon. Prayer at CornerstoneChapel.net That's Prayer at CornerstoneChapel.net With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Put a marker where we left off in this final book of the Bible and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time for more. Right here on Cornerstone Connection.